We are in week four of this series called Holy Ghost Stories. And we are walking down a road that, um, you know, some churches walk down and, and some churches don't. And um, I just felt like God was moving in his spirit in our, in our church and um, in, in families and individuals. And as I was praying and seeking the Lord, what do you want me to talk about in October? So I just want you to talk about the Holy Spirit. Talk about Holy Spirit and, and, and what that looks like in people's lives and what does the Bible say about it? So as we have walked down this road, we've taken the last three weeks, we've opened up a lot of scripture. There's going to be a lot of scripture we're going to open up today because uh, none of this stuff is like opinions of Pastor Frank Bennett. (laughs) We don't want to do that. We want to go to the Word of God. But week one, we talked about who is the Holy Ghost? Who is this Holy Ghost? In his teaching, Jesus prepared us for Holy Ghost. When I say Holy Ghost, same as Holy Spirit. But he told his disciples that he would go away and send the advocate or counselor, which is Holy Ghost. This confused and worried the disciples because everything was good. Everything was peaceful. Everything was right. And so um, they're like, okay, why, why would you say, peace I leave with you? When I'm going to go away uh, to another place, talking about him uh, ascending into heaven, the, the disciples are like, that doesn't make sense. Why? Why would you say you're to leave us with your peace? Because whenever you are not here, it's not peaceful. Okay? In fact, when things are chaotic, storms on a boat or, or that sort of stuff, when you come around, peace comes. But they didn't understand that he was talking about the third part, part, uh, part of the Trinity, Holy Spirit. And so they came to realize that the Holy Spirit inside them was better than the Jesus beside them, and that is true for us as well. Week two, we talked about three baptisms. This was really eye-opener for our church, and I'm learning a lot as I walk through this and I teach it from God's Word. Most believers only talk about the water baptism after you receive Christ, but, but God's Word shows us three distinct baptisms. Holy Ghost baptizes us, and you can look at, look at the sermon series and, and go to our website. They're on there, and you can uh, follow along and go back to that. But the Holy Ghost baptizes us into Christ or into the body of Christ as we receive salvation, as we receive that free gift of salvation. We are then baptized in water. We are told to, 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 baptize, uh, to be baptized and, and to um, show others. Now, you don't have to have this water baptism in order to go to heaven. You know, that's really a sign to, to you to show others, hey, I've accepted Christ as Savior. And a sign for you to say, I can remember the time when I got water baptized. I got immersed. Baptismo, the Greek word means immersed into, got overflowing, okay? And so uh, water baptism is uh, sort of the second baptism. And then the third baptism is of the Spirit. When Jesus baptizes or immerses us into the Holy Spirit. We looked at several passages in Acts that showed a pattern. People in the New Testament got saved, they got water baptized, and they got baptized in Holy Spirit. Last week, our main question was, how does a Christian get baptized in the Holy Spirit? How does a Christian get baptized in the Holy Spirit? And we looked at a lot of passages last week. And what we learned is there are several verses, and, and, it, and it's basically 
Um, several things that we can do, several options. You can ask for it. Jesus even talks about that. Wait for it. He told the disciples and his followers to wait for it. We, we need to walk in obedience. Okay, we need to walk in obedience in our lives because Holy Spirit, when there's disobedience, um, it, it's almost like we, we cut off the move of the Holy Spirit in our life. And not just disobedience, but even conflict. If there's conflict in your life with, with another person, Holy Spirit's going to back away from that. It's like a child whenever parents are in, are in conflict with one another. They sort of go and get into hiding, go in their closet. And Holy Spirit, hey, Holy Spirit don't want anything to do with that. And so we got to make sure that, that we are right with other believers and that we are walking in obedience. Uh, also, we learned to include Jesus in that. Include Jesus in, in, in your prayer and uh, for that, as you pray for that. And then pray for others to receive the baptism. That's how we, we help others. Okay, pray for others, the baptism of the Holy, Holy Spirit. If you say, you know, I want more power in my life. I want the fullness of the Holy Spirit, God's presence in my life. I need you to pray for me. Then tell people and we will pray for you. We will pray for one another. That's what we're here for. But I want you to make sure you understand that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it, it, it doesn't save you. You're already saved if you accept the Christ as Savior. You have the stamp of the Holy Spirit in your life. You're going to heaven. You have a seat at the table. Your name is in the land's book of life. But what this is, it's walking in the power and the fullness of what Jesus, and that's what we've been looking at, what Jesus came to send to us as the church. He wants us to walk in fullness and in power. So, how do you know when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How do you know when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? That's a good question, okay? Does, you know, how do you know when you receive? It's like, like, does your Instagram change, you know? Does, it, does your Facebook or, or, or Twitter or Insta, you know, Instagram, you know, do they show, hey, they, they've been baptized in Holy Spirit and, and, and maybe you know, something turns blue, you know, or maybe there's fire above your head, you know, on your social media. No, that's not really the case, okay? Uh, but there are manifestations, real manifestations, biblical manifestations of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible is full of that. And so today, we're going to talk about one of those manifestations. And uh, the most talked about manifestations of the Holy Spirit is a gift of speaking in tongues. The gift of speaking in tongues. Almost all the passages we read over the past three weeks include a manifestation of tongues as a sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, you may question if tongues are, are for us today or if they were only for the early New Testament. And there are believers, I know, I know some believers and some Christ followers who feel that the tongues have ceased. And they point to this passage here that we see in 1 Corinthians. And we're going to be in, uh, most of what we're going to be in is 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 14, 12, uh, around that area. So, so just kind of hover around that, that portion of your Bible. So 1 Corinthians, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 first. And we're going to be in verse 8 through 10. And again, we're going to look at this because many people point this as a way that, to, to show that tongues 
have ceased, and it's not for us today. So 8 through 10. Uh, Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we all know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. So individuals who describe, who subscribe to the idea and the belief, um, believe that Paul was referring to the Bible as the perfect. When we see that, when the perfect uh, comes, but when the completeness comes. The line of reasoning is that now that the perfect or the completeness has come in the Bible, tongues have ceased. It is important that we carefully examine this passage to determine what Paul was saying. When we consider the context of this verse, and I'm, I'm going through a seminary right now. I'm in, I'm in uh, New Orleans Seminary and learning a lot and learning about interpretation and context and, and historical and cultural context and everything. But when we consider the context of this verse, it is clear that this notion is really impossible. If tongues have ceased, then that means knowledge, which is in this passage, and prophecy have also ceased. Have knowledge and prophecy ceased? Certainly not. So what is the perfect or the completeness that Paul is referring to? The answer is found in verse, uh, uh, verse uh, 12. Right there, same chapter. For now we see only reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Now let's, let's, let's kind of camp out there for a second. Paul is describing the face-in-face encounter with Jesus. This is what he means by the perfect or the complete, knowing Jesus fully in his glory. Are we currently experiencing this kind of encounter with Jesus? Are we beholding him um, in, in his glory? During our lives on earth, we experience, uh, our experiences with Jesus are like the reflection in a dim mirror. We don't, we don't get to see the glory of Jesus. We don't see the, get to see the perfect of Jesus because we're not there in his glory. We see only a dim reflection of what is to come. We see through what he's doing in our lives, through other people. And so the, um, our experiences is that dim reflection, but in the age to come, we will know Jesus as he knows us. Though the journey begins on earth, it will not be completed until we behold him face to face in eternity. So, a question that many believers ask is this. Do all Christians speak with tongues? Do all Christians speak with tongues? Um, we see this same question. And go to, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. By the way, we're not going to, we're going we're gonna to, we're going to ask each other, we're going to ask ourselves these kind of questions. These are tough questions. But we're, we're, we're diving into God's word. So chapter 12, verse 29 through 30. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Lots of questions there by Paul. Paul is actually answering the question. Not all, question, not all Christians who are baptized in the Holy Spirit speak in 
tongues. Paul is how we're referring to a specific type of tongue. So, and and that, that passage we just read, he's basically saying not everyone who receives baptism of the Holy, Holy Spirit, not everyone is apostles, not everyone is, is prophets, not, not everyone um, has, has a sign of miracles, can do, can do healing, not everyone has, has tongues, not everyone has the interpretation of tongues. So he's, he's referring, though, to a specific type of tongue. Not all believers operate in this type of tongue. To understand this, we must examine the four different types of tongues discussed in the New Testament. For the sake of our discussion, I will refer to these tongues as being for public or private use. These four tongues are for public or private use, and they have specific roles for that. For public, I mean that they involve one individual ministering something of the Spirit to another person or group of people. In contrast, the two private tongues connect us as individuals directly to God, either by increasing our intimacy with Him or by enabling us to intercede according to His perfect understanding of what's happening in the world and what's happening in people's lives. So, Let's take a look at these. What are the four different types of tongues? Two are for public, two are for private. The first one is this. Tongues as a sign to unbelievers. Tongues as a sign to unbelievers. Um, we see this in, in, let's look at this in 1 Corinthians 14, 22. 1 Corinthians 14, 22. Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. We, we see this in whenever tongues broke out in Acts chapter 2. When tongues broke out, there were a lot of people who uh, were, were unbelievers who were in the city of Jerusalem from all over the known world, lots of different languages. And so whenever Holy Spirit came on people, they begin to speak in the known tongue of mankind, the various different kinds. And they're wondering, okay, you, you're a Jew. How do you know my language? <laughs> How do you know my language? And, and this Jew over here know, is speaking a different language. And so tongues, as we see in God's word, is for, uh, one of the ways tongues is used is for, not, uh, for unbelievers, so non-believers. These uh, tongues occur when the Holy Spirit transcends our intellect and gives us the ability to speak another language of this earth, specifically a language that we do uh, not know how to speak from our own experience or our own education. This is the type of tongue that operated on the day of Pentecost. So, so it's, it's, a, it's a way that the Holy Spirit uh, can, can speak to us, and we're speaking the language that we don't know how to speak, but the Holy Spirit does that. You see... That's really weird. That's really freaky. That's, that's amazing that, that someone can do that. Well, it's not our power. It's a move of the Holy Spirit. They say, well, Pastor Frank, does that really even happen today? Well, it, it does. I've heard many stories. In fact, my, my grandfather, he was, a, uh, he was a Pentecostal preacher. And he... Uh, he was a church planter, and he had faith 
like no other man I've ever known. He, um, God walked with him. God was always with him. He's, he's, it, the, the Holy Spirit was all over Robert Hale, my grandfather. And I, I remember a story where, um, where my grandfather was at a church and the Lord gave him the ability to speak in a tongue. And he spoke in this tongue in a known language on earth. And um, it was perfect Japanese. Now, my grandfather doesn't know Japanese. But there was a lady in the church who was visiting the church, who was an unbeliever, who was Japanese. And she came up to him afterwards and she says, that message was for me. And she gave her heart to Christ. (laughs) I mean, the proof is in the pudding, right? The proof's there. And so we see that in God's word. Um, We see that in, in um, in our life today when it's manifested as a way for, as a sign to unbelievers. So tongues as a sign to unbelievers. A second type is tongues for interpretation. Tongues for interpretation. Now this, again, this is, we're just reading passages, sharing a couple of life examples. So the second type of tongues for public ministry, just like the first. Unlike tongues as a sign to unbelievers, like the first one, these tongues are heavenly languages that are not spoken anywhere on the earth. Tongues for interpretation are the type of tongues Paul referred to as a spiritual gift. Look at um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 11. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To, uh, to another distinguishing between spirits. All these gifts. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Since since these are not languages of this earth, they have to be interpreted. Notice notice we're saying interpreted, not translate. There's a difference between translation and interpretation. Heavenly tongues, a heavenly language cannot be translated for they, are, they transcend our human understanding. But they can be interpreted. Any expression of tongues that falls under, um, under tongues for interpretation should always come with an interpretation. Without this interpretation, the church cannot be edified. The tongue is exclu- exclusively given for the edification of the church. Look at 1 Corinthians 14. So jump to chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 27 to 28. It says this, If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak. One at a time and someone must interpret it. Now again, this is tongues for interpretation. 
In other words, a, a, a heavenly language. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. What Paul is saying is this. If you are speaking, if you've got the gifts of tongue, and if you've got a message that is for public use for the church, okay, and it's an, it's an unknown tongue, it's, it, it's a heavenly tongue, then there needs to be an interpretation of that, of that tongue. There needs to be someone to interpret that, not translate. You can't translate something you don't know and, you, and that doesn't exist on this earth. But the interpretation must be there. This, this is often misused in, in churches. I have seen this misused uh, growing up, uh, you know, my teenage years in middle school and high school. I've seen this get misused. And, and my grandfather uh, would, you know, would teach me that, you know, well, there has to be, there has to be an interpretation of that. And he would show me in scripture of that. In fact, there were times that my grandfather, um, I've seen him give an, a, an interpret, I mean, a, give a tongue for the edification of the church. Church I grew up, uh, grew up in, is, in, in high school. And my grandfather would give a, a, a tongue and it was heavenly language. And there would be someone who would interpret that. And the, and the place would be still. And I, I remember I would call the pastor at the church. He would, he would stand up and say, if, if you have the interpretation, we encourage you to speak it out. And people would just, they would speak it out right from their seats. And it was an interpretation. And what it was, it was an edification for the body of Christ. The interpretation of tongues, the heavenly language, is for the edification of the body of Christ. It is for public use. The, the, first, um, the first tongue was for the use, public use, but it was a, a type of tongue that was given as a, known, um, as a known language for unbelievers. So, so far, we have tongues to assign to unbelievers. Like you... You're, you're talking to people, and, 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 and I know people who've been on a mission trip, and they didn't have, they didn't speak the language, but God gave them the gift, and they started speaking in, I mean, perfect, perfectly in that, in that language that they were visiting. And it, it's real. It does happen. And, but that is public, and it's for, uh, for non-believers as you, as you witness Christ. And as you share Christ. And then the, uh, the tongues for, um, for interpretation are for believers and for someone to interpret that. And that is a heavenly language. So what is the third type? The third type is this. Tongues for personal prayer. Tongues for personal prayer. Um, Paul introduces this third type. In 1 Corinthians 14. So if you're still in 14, go to four, uh, verse 14. So 1 Corinthians 14, 14. We're going to be 14 and 15. For if I pray in, in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. He's no longer talking about public ministry. 
He's not talking about the use of public tongues. Rather, he is teaching us about tongues to be used for private purposes. Paul specifically states that if we can pray uh, with understanding, for which, um, which, which for me would mean praying in English, okay? Or we could pray with the Spirit, which means praying in an unlang language or heavenly language. So in that passage is, again, verse 14, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. So there's times that you will pray with your understanding in, in, in your known language, but there will also be times that you are praying in tongues in the unknown language. Speaking, um, speaking in tongues for personal prayer is a private interaction between God and the one praying. Between God and the one praying. And so, um, Paul shows us this. Private tongues for, for you and uh, for you and the Lord to connect. And the Holy Spirit will, will, as the Holy Spirit moves in your life, Holy Spirit will, will give you that tongue to speak. And will help you to understand, help you to, um, to, to speak words that you may not know the, the, the language, but it will be something that the Holy Spirit will just prod in your spirit. And you will begin speaking in the tongue for personal prayer. And then the fourth and final one, tongues for intercession. The fourth and final type of tongue is for intercession. Again, this is a private one. We read this in Romans. So this is the only passage we're going to be in, in, a, different, um, in a different book. So Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Again, this is Paul, verse 26 through 27. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches in our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Paul begins this passage by saying that the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. What weakness is Paul referring to? The answer is, for we do not know what we should pray. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us by groanings which cannot be uttered. Simply put, our weakness is that we have a limited understanding of what is going on in our world. Therefore, there are times when we do not know how to pray, but when we rely on intercede in the Spirit who knows all things, he prays the perfect will of God through us. So this, this fourth type and the final type that we see in God's word is this intercession of tongues where we feel like that we, that spirit is, is prodding us to speak in a heavenly language and we don't exactly know specifically what we are praying for, but the Holy Spirit does and we can rest assured that it's an intercession for someone else. And you know what? One of these days we'll find out. <laughs> we will find out what some of those prayers were for in, 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 in heaven. And so, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and I know this is, and this is deep stuff. <laughs> this is deep, deep stuff. And I'm, I'm trying real carefully, you know, to, to present it in a way that, you know, um, just try to let the Bible speak for itself. But it's deep, deep stuff. 
But this, this manifestation of Holy Spirit doesn't mean, it doesn't mean because if you don't have this, it doesn't mean that, you know, you're not walking with God. It doesn't mean that you're not saved. It doesn't mean that you're not, you're not walking in the fullness of in the power because you could have other gifts. Some of you may have the gift of healing and you don't even know it. Some of you have the gift of, of prophecy and you don't even know it. And some of you may have the gift of tongues and you don't even know it or even the interpretation of tongues. And so I want to encourage you this. Um, if, you, if you desire tongue, if you desire that manifestation of the Holy Spirit, ask, wait, uh, walk, walk in faithfulness, walk in obedience. Ask the Lord to, to show that to you. And know this, if, 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 if Holy Spirit breaks out and there's, you know, tongues and, and whatever service you're in or, or a church or a mission trip or whatever, there are, there are certain biblical guidelines that we need to follow. And, and, and the good thing I'm grateful for is, is I, I grew up kind of knowing those guidelines, being taught those guidelines. And so if there's a, if there's a public tongue through a, a, a language that is on this earth, that is for somebody who needs to have that message. If there's, a, if there's a public tongue of a heavenly language, there needs to be an interpretation. But other than that, tongues need to be in a private setting. Tongues need to be private. to where you and God are praying. And you know what you're praying, but then you, you slip off in, you know, in, into a tongue, and then sometimes you don't know exactly what you're praying for, but the Holy Spirit knows what, what, what you should be praying for, and you speak in a tongue for that. But I, um, if we're talking about Holy Ghost, if we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we've got to talk about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And this is just one of those manifestations, tongue. And it's the one that people talk about the most. But can I tell you something? It, it's not as important as what you may seem. In fact, we look at this as, as we close in this passage in 1 Corinthians 14. There it is, 14 again, verses 39 through 40. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Everything should be done in a fitting way. An orderly way. It's got to have order. The Holy Spirit is not chaos. You may think it is. <laughs> you may think Holy Spirit, man, we can't really trace what the Holy Spirit is doing. It's really chaotic and crazy. No, no, no. Holy Spirit always walks in order. He does. And so there's got to be order as the Holy Spirit manifests himself. Now, this is just one manifestation Next week, we're going to talk about other manifestations of Holy Spirit in our lives. And again, these aren't, these aren't you know, Pastor Frank Bennett's opinions. I'm just, I'm pulling out a lot of scripture. We're just trying to walk through together and to understand uh, what, what this is. But we can't talk about Holy Spirit unless we talk about the manifestations of that spirit. So here's what I'd like for you to do this week.
I want you to just ask the Lord, Lord, just bring about the proof, the manifestations of your spirit in my life. Bring about the manifestations of your spirit in my life. And, and, and all of you have different ones. I mean, some of you will have some of the same gifts, but not all of you will have the exact same gift. And so the Holy, uh, the Holy Spirit will, will, will give that to you as Jesus Christ baptizes you in that. So ask the Lord to fill you with all that he is. And, but you've got to empty yourself. You've got to surrender. You've got to say, here's my heart, Lord. Here's my life. Here's everything I have. And walk in obedience. Walk in patience. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask Father God to, to fill you. And then manifestations will begin to come in your life. Holy Spirit will, will prod your spirit. And it could even be simple things like, hey, I, I need you to go talk to this person right now. I need you to stop what you're doing and go pray for that person. That's a manifestation. That's a, that's, that's a prophetic manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be talking about those things. Healing, prophecy, interpretation, those kinds of things. Don't be scared. <laughs> Don't be scared. It's okay. It's okay. Holy Spirit is good. Holy Spirit brings peace. Holy Spirit brings order. Holy Spirit brings comfort. But just know this. We're, we're, we're not going to skip past this. Okay? We, we're going to boldly walk into what those manifestations look like and just ask the Lord, Lord, manifest yourself in my life. Manifest yourself in my life. Could you all just bow your head and close your eyes for a second as we close out the service. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you and uh, thank you, Lord, for, for walking into this place. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming in and, and speaking to us, our hearts, and, and being in this room, in this place. We know that you are here and that you want to manifest yourself in our, in our lives individually in our families, and yes, even in your church. We pray, Father, that this week you'd get us in a place where we can be alone with you and that we can ask you to fill us up with all that you are and baptize us in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. All right, so we're going to continue manifestations next week. Next week is going to be, um, I'm excited about more manifestations as we talk about healing, uh, which be the, uh, the next one we'll talk about. And there's some cool things that the Bible says and Bible shows us about healing. And it's all in there. Proof's in the pudding. <laughs> all right? Hey, um, make sure that you... Um, uh, you take some uh, time to just greet people. Let's not totally rush out the door. Let's take a moment just to uh, fellowship and, uh, and know this. We love you, and we look forward to seeing you all next week. Thank you so much.